From the Garrison Institute, this is Climate, Mind, and Behavior. I'm Eleanor Bennett. Each episode will explore groundbreaking intersections between climate change, resilience, contemplative practice, and human behavior. Sharon Salzberg is a meditation teacher and New York Times best-selling author. She is the co-founder of the Insight Meditation Society in Barre, Massachusetts, and has played a crucial role in bringing Buddhist meditation practices to the West. Sharon has been a student of meditation since 1971, guiding retreats worldwide since 1974. She is a weekly columnist for On Being, a regular contributor to the Huffington Post, and the author of many books, including Real Happiness and Loving Kindness. Sharon visited the Garrison Institute last month to co-lead the annual People Who Care for People retreat with the Holistic Life Foundation. We sat down together to discuss her personal journey from a young meditation student studying in India in the early 1970s to a renowned meditation teacher and the ways in which she connects her practice to social change and the global climate movement. So I recently started meditating, just five to 10 minutes in the morning, and I'm finding that it's harder than I expected. Yeah, I, I can remember thinking, well, the first instruction I ever got was sit down and feel your breath. And I was sort of like, that's stupid. You know, like I came all the way to India. And then I thought, oh, how hard can this be? And then I did it. And I thought, oh, this is not so easy. And so what kept you going? Why do you meditate? I have been meditating since January of 1971, and I originally went to India to learn how to meditate, and that was because I was sort of probably deeply personally unhappy, and I found meditation really brought me a lot of balance and understanding, and the more I pursued it, the more I began to see that it could have really much wider implications than just oneself. And can you elaborate on that a little bit? What are the wider implications? Well, I think some of the kinds of understanding or insight we get from meditation really can profoundly change the way we live. So, for example, you know, we might be told many things will bring us happiness, but if we really take a look, we might notice I'm not really happier because I've accumulated more or because I've got 15 of those or or whatever it is, and, and that has a profound influence on how we live and therefore, you know, could have a profound influence on a community. And can you talk about what the experience of meditation feels like? I don't know if that's possible. Maybe that's why I have to do it. But talk about the energy of it a little bit, I guess. I usually describe meditation as a kind of skills training. And it's a training in attention so that we get more concentrated, gathered and distracted. We get more mindful and aware and we actually get more compassionate through the process of training our attention. So at Garrison, we talk a lot about the idea that social transformation starts with personal transformation. Our theory of change in the climate, mind, and behavior program is that building organizational community and global resilience in the face of climate change through contemplative practice should start with personal resilience. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I always have thought that that was true, you know, myself, because if you think about resilient cities or communities coming back after, you know, a hurricane or or an incident, I, I always think about the people. I think, first of all, about first responders 
people who are really on the scene in some crisis or just after some crisis situation and what gives them strength and an ability to really connect and endure and not burn out. And then I think about leaders, you know, and everyone in a community can become a leader in that kind of situation. I think about what gives them strength and, and an ability to care for others in, in a good way, a sustaining way that they themselves are also not going to burn out or feel defeated. And I think the, those are certain personal qualities. And do you think that sort of social transformation has to start with personal transformation? I think that a lot of the ills of society, a lot of the ways the planet is suffering, people are suffering, creatures are suffering, has to do with disconnection, that we can be profoundly disconnected from ourselves, from one another, and certainly to the planet. And and that the more insight we develop, the more we see we are connected. We actually live in an interconnected universe. That's not a romantic notion or a sentimental notion. That's the way things are. And that if you're going to, just as an example, if you're going to look at a tree, there's a way of seeing that tree as part of a network, like the quality of the rainfall affects the life of that tree. And we know these days how many things affect the quality of the rainfall. So you can look at the tree and not just see a solid, seemingly solitary single entity, but you see that that tree is influenced by so many conditions and connections. And we can look at everything at life that way because it's true, not because we we feel better when we think that way, but because it's actually true. And the more insight we have, the more we have that sense of connection. And my experience and my belief is that the more we engage in some kind of introspection and contemplative practice, the more we'll have that insight. And so it's a pretty direct route from personal transformation to social transformation. Makes sense to me. (laughs) Thank you. And what has your experience been with people who are sort of alerted to the full impacts of what's happening on our planet? And climate change is just one example of that. I find people who feel they are pretty knowledgeable about something like climate change can easily be despairing because it's not a good picture. On the other hand, I don't generally find them that dispirited. You know, there seems to be a kind of generosity of the spirit. There seems to be some something that that is sustaining many of them. Despite knowing the facts, I find many people energized to try to make a difference. And do you think it makes sense to connect meditation to social change and issues like climate change? I think it does make sense. I think even some studies are showing that doing something like mindfulness meditation, becoming more aware, actually leads to more compassion toward others. And it's that compassionate sense of connection that I think has a, gives us the energy to try to make a difference rather than either falling into apathy or feeling what I have to contribute toward change is so negligible, it's so nothing, why bother? Or feeling it's too overwhelming or just being angry in a useless way so that we ourselves just get kind of demoralized. I think that route from mindfulness to compassion to insight really gives us a a means to keep working, even in situations where we may not get immediate gratification. 
So I have to ask this, are you optimistic about the state of the planet in the face of all this bad news? I can go either way. (laughs) I think about some leaders, the Dalai Lama very notably, who says he is optimistic and that there's a kind of consciousness that is widespread that didn't used to be widespread and that could really make a difference. You know, as more and more people become aware and more and more people become engaged, that's the part that makes me optimistic. Do you think meditation for you has been something that's really helped you manage your feelings about all of this? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the things that amongst many that meditation gives us is an ability, first of all, to sit with what's uncomfortable without either running away or trying to cover it over or make it into something else. So that's a strength. And then it also allows us to have some kind of spaciousness. So for example, if we feel afraid, a very common kind of conditioning would be to think, I'm always going to feel afraid. What's it going to feel like next week? What's it going to feel like next month? Oh no, it's going to be unbearable. And then we just feel defeated. Whereas if we can recognize the fear without adding all that stuff, then we have much more of an opportunity to make some creative decisions and take some action. And I'm wondering if there's a particular meditation centered around connectedness and can help you cultivate a sense of compassion for the planet that you use personally. And if there is, could you maybe walk us through a short version? I think all meditations will do what you're saying, you know, but I think a particular meditation that's almost designed to foster connection is loving kindness practice. And that's done just by choosing a set of phrases and first offering those phrases to oneself and then to a succession of others coming to all beings everywhere. So it might be something like, may I be safe, be happy, be peaceful. And then thinking of different people, creatures, you're in relationship to one kind or another, and ending with may all beings be safe, be happy, be peaceful. And so you just use that formulation, those phrases, not to try to hype up a certain kind of emotion or feeling, but as a way of settling the mind and changing the way we pay attention. We may, thinking about ourselves, pretty well only think about the mistakes we've made. And it would be an unusual thing to think, may I be happy, may I be peaceful. And with many others, we might look right through them or discount them rather than hold them in our minds and think, may you be happy, may you be peaceful. So uh, it's a very profound exercise. Thank you. So my very last question is, do you think there's a need for programs like Climate, Mind, and Behavior? Definitely. I mean, it's probably always hard to be a pioneer. I was one of the original people bringing meditation to this country in 1974. And I never for a moment imagined that so many people would be interested in meditation or using the word mindfulness. And it used to be if you said mindfulness, nobody knew what you're talking about, you know. Now I have a Google alert on the word mindfulness, the way you can follow like an actor or a politician or somebody like that. I follow mindfulness. And every single day I get many, many articles from all around the world about mindfulness. It's 
kind of amazing. And so I think there is a big need for things like climate, mind, and behavior to really be that experimental and pioneering. Hopefully looking back in some years, we'll think, wow, it's a great thing we persevered. Thank you for joining me, Sharon. I'm so grateful to have this time with you. Sure. To learn more about the Garrison Institute's Climate, Mind, and Behavior program, visit garrisoninstitute.org, where you can also listen to an archived podcast of this show, join our mailing list, and sign up for our monthly email newsletter, delivering the latest research and programs from around the world that promote resilience in a changing climate right to you. Our theme music is composed by Zoe Keating. You can find her music on iTunes or on her website, zoekeating.com. <laughs>